Bring me your tired, your stressed, your overwhelmed and anxious, yearning for some joy in life. It's time to go out and play. Welcome back to the Playgrounding Podcast. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier. Today's episode is about something you might not associate with the idea of finding joy in life, but I really hope you'll stick with me. As of the day this is recorded, there have been almost 330,000 deaths worldwide and 94,000 in the U.S. alone. So whether we like it or not, even if no one in your family has been directly affected by the virus, death is on all of our minds. So this conversation with Reverend Maggie Burbank-Yanoki could not be more timely, even if we didn't mean it to be back when we agreed to do this interview months ago. Reverend Maggie is an interfaith minister whose ministry includes her calling as a death midwife and transition guide. She relocated to Southern California from Syracuse, New York in the fall of 2012 after receiving her Master of Divinity degree from Drew Theological School in Madison, New Jersey. She has completed intensive study of the art of death midwifery through sacred crossings in Los Angeles, and she is a member of the National Home Funeral Alliance. She is an advocate, supporter, and cheerleader for the movement toward open conversations on death, home funerals, and green burials. I met Reverend Maggie because she's on the faculty of All Paths Divinity School, where I'm studying to become ordained as an interfaith minister myself. I've only scratched the surface of what I can learn from this amazing woman, and I am so excited for you to hear from her today. One quick note, you may notice that ideas about the afterlife come up in our conversation. I want to make sure that no matter what belief system you come from, even if the idea of an afterlife sounds silly to you, you'll get something from this conversation. Reverend Maggie's spiritual home is the Unitarian Universalist Church, which welcomes different traditions and spiritual perspectives. And speaking of that, she and her husband, George, enjoy living out their UU faith with passion in all they do. Most of their days are focused on the life and times of their beloved family and their first grandchild, who arrived in early August. I saw the pictures. So cute. And they also have an adorable little Yorkie, Sophie. Now, meet Reverend Maggie. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today, Maggie. This is this is awesome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to get to have a conversation with you right now, especially right now. And I had been wanting to, as I rolled out the podcast again, I, I you were at the top of the list, but I had no idea the context we were going to be in right. here. So yeah. um, can you tell me a little bit about what it means to be a death doula and what you do at Opening Death Store? Mm. Well... Um, death doula and death midwife I see as total as very different. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a lot of um, some of it legal, but a lot of conversation happening regarding the use of the name midwife mm-hmm. by um, death doulas. Mm-hmm. Um, as an ordained minister and one who has been serving in chaplaincy and sitting at the bedside for um, just about twenty years now. Um, I see myself as one who midwives. And I yeah. would argue that I do that just in the congregational setting as a, as, a, um, as a pastor. We're always helping those in our um, congregation that are, you know, in a traumatic situation where you're helping them to birth their way forward, to birth what's coming toward them. Um, and that is also true. Um, when someone's near the end 
yeah. of their life. Well, and I would um, love to sort of really quickly, when you say birth your way forward, mm. can you kind of tell me what you mean by that? Because if people would think the word birth means you're born, you come out of your mother, you're zero years old, um, but you're using the word birth in a very specific way. Um, can I you kind of yeah. <laughs> maybe flush that I think that um, when we are born of our from our mother's womb, we are then set on a path of continuous birthing throughout mm -hmm. our life. We're birthing new identities, we're birthing experiences, we're birthing new relationships, we're birthing all kinds of life as we go through our experience in these bodies and in these identities that we are um, inhabiting mm -hmm. during our lifetime. Um, the death midwifing is, is similar in that we're at a threshold when we come to our time of death. Mm -hmm. And for many that are fortunate, that dying time can be lengthy. And it can be a journey and it can be a birthing that starts with occasional pains and cramping. And then um, there's, there's usually um, a great deal of work that one goes through as they're dying. Mm -hmm. Most of it is um, a farewell. It, it's their releasing. The Buddhists have a way of saying to let go of your attachments. And at our death, there are more attachments than we realized that we had yeah but they can become obvious to us and maybe we don't realize that we were so attached to certain things that we're reluctant to let go of so the death midwife is there to help that person to do those things to do that good work got so. it the word with midwife and midwifing as a verb kind of more accurately describes what you do but we use the word doula because technically on a medical, because you work in with people going through in the medical field as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's technically the word is not appropriate in some settings, I guess, to some people. Right. And, and there was um, a lawsuit against a midwife in Canada who chose to use that word to describe what she does. Yeah. And she ended up winning that lawsuit to use that name for herself. And I would... You know, <laughs> I would not hesitate to step forward and engage in that process myself because um, there are there's a process of do, being the doula and mm -hmm. maybe you will accompany someone at the bedside. Um, but the midwifing is more of the soul work yeah. that I'm trained to do. Um, and then caring for the body afterward and then caring for the family after the um loved one is in their final wow closing yeah wow. it's a lot there's there's more to it than being yeah. an accompaniment you know um, yeah yeah I, I feel like I I came to my first understanding of this it was a television show and it was a British tv show where it was a, a man who worked in a funeral home fell in love with a with a midwife um ah. birth, and they would go about their business and their adventures but a lot of times the episodes would sort of show this cross this passing passing of ways between the two of them and how the work they were doing was so similar it was such a beautiful show i'll yes. have to get the name of it <laughs> yeah well, well yeah. if you remember i will i'll let find me know. it i'd love to watch it yeah <laughs> there's also an excellent japanese movie it's mm -hmm. called departures mm. where this young man he worked for, he was actually a professional musician mm -hmm. and the symphony um 
fell apart, but whatever, he needed to find more work. So mm. he thought he was getting a job in a um, travel agency, <laughs> the name departures, right? Yeah. So no, it was about end of life departures. And he ends up learning how to do this end of life care, more the care of the bodies. You yeah. know, it was for a funeral home, but what a wonderful film. It's all subtitled, but that adds to it, I think. So Departures, it's a great film. Well, this is more of a timely discussion than I ever would have oh, imagined. Yeah. And um, right now, even just bringing it up with you right now, it's just this wave of, I don't know, it's, it's, this is a time in history that I think our, no generation living has, well, maybe there are some people that remember 1918, but I mean, this is, this is hard. This is something we've not been through. Yeah. Um, they, they say that, you know, we, we're, we're so determined to prepare for war and we pour trillions of dollars into war. Um, but right now we're losing more people worldwide than we would if there were a world war yeah. um, or that there have been in all the wars. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about this work that you're doing now in this context and what kinds of things are coming up for you and um, how you're helping yeah. people? In, in a lot of ways, Kara, the work I'm doing now is my own uh, spiritual work. Okay. And a lot of that is my prayer for the planet, my prayer for those that are crossing over. There is a another piece of my ministry as it's what is known as a cycle pump. Hmm. And what we do is we pray folks through. It's all spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, you're not in contact with the souls that are crossing through that threshold from, from life into um, afterlife. Mm -hmm. And um, because of the limitations of being together, a lot of the work I'm doing with the folks that are still in their bodies are, um, it's more email it's it's zooming it's yeah. you know texting and because we have to be be kept separate um it's Ugh. been really difficult yeah it's it's also so important that you know folks see this time as a time to really pay attention to not just how you feel, but to, to having these conversations that you long so much to have if COVID were to separate you. Have yeah. those moments every day. Yes. Every, every opportunity that we have. We never know yeah. with this virus where it's going to raise its head. You know, even with the things that are coming out with the children now, yeah. this other thing, it's just really, it can be so terrifying. But it's something that we've always been here to say, like hosting a death cafe, just to get the conversation going yeah. about that it's really okay, not just okay to talk about death, but to really make it a part of our living. Absolutely. I mean, I remember um, after 9-11, I had a flight back to LA that really was shaken mm -hmm. and there was some fire happening in one of the engines and we, everyone was fine. But for a few minutes there, everyone was like holding hands with the people in the seats with them. And, and because I had already been sort of facing this mass death that had just happened in the city where I lived, I was suddenly faced with, I could have died. And it was the strangest yeah. moment that it was like a pivotal moment. And I think people yeah. have, have heard of near-death experiences or things like mm -hmm. that, that change people's lives. But I think collectively right now, we're not only dealing we're dealing one with the possibility of losing our loved ones, mm -hmm. which is traumatic in and of itself. But then the thing we don't want to think about for some reason, it's just so hard to think about is the death of our own selves. Yeah. And that for some reason in our culture is just not something 
like for me in that moment, I came out of it. I, I came out of it just new, you know, for some reason. And well, good for you. Yeah. Well, it was good. You paid attention. (laughs) So many, I wonder about the other folks that were on that plane with you or what they're doing now differently. Yeah. But I think like collectively we're going through something similar to that. And it's, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that is happening on such a mass scale. Like I, I, it kind of, I know for me, I thought about the things that I want to do with my life that I'm not doing yet. So I started playgrounding again because hey. ultimately this is what I want to do. Um, yeah. But there's more to it than that. Um, can you kind yes. of talk about like the reluctance that we have and what that means and what that is? Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. A lot of the reluctance is kind of a tug of war between what we want to talk about and what we think people want to hear. Oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a very real difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you are um, able to to be known as somebody who's open, like like my husband will often call me Morticia. <laughs> <laughs> but that is always where our conversations go, mm-hmm. you know, is just standing in awe of this um, very real truth mm-hmm. that um we walk with death all the time. It's not something that comes at our end. Mm-mm. It's something we walk through and well, hopefully we can lock arms with as we're walking. It makes our life so much more meaningful. If you think about just the simple thing, just meditate on the fact that nothing we eat, nothing that nourishes us is alive. Ah, you know, I mean, just that, if you just yeah. took time to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but to have these conversations, you know, as you're walking mm-hmm. through your days is really the most beneficial. Yeah. And um, our reluctance to that comes from a lot of things. But if you um, if you read anything about the funeral industry, you'll learn that there was a huge shift there um, around the time of the Civil War. Really? When embalming became very popular. But these young soldiers were so far from home. So the embalming was discovered as a way to preserve the bodies so that the families could see their loved one that had died um, in in a state that was not terrifying to them. They weren't already... um, you know, decomposing or, you know, forgive me, I even hesitate to use, use <laughs> no, that yeah. kind of language in, in any conversation. You have to yeah. be careful because yeah. people do, it triggers them and they're, you know, it's, um, rep- it can be repulsive, mm-hmm. but um, around, you know, to go back to the funeral industry, that was the time when we started to push death away and we gave death over to an industry that, um, never existed before. And we used to always take care of our own dead. Mm-hmm. We we would wash their bodies. We would dress them. We would put, lay them out in our home. That's why we had parlors in our oh. home. We had a parlor and then we had a living room. So that was the difference. I never um, knew that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my isn't that something? Yeah. So and a funeral um, parlor. Wanna... Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it is mind blowing. And it's really only been since that time. So within the last 200 years that we've just handed over the care of our beloved dead to strangers. Wow. And 
that as a death midwife, we are here to bring that back into the family, to bring back the care of our loved ones and to keep them in our homes um, for the three days that they talk about in the um, like the Tibetan Book of the Dead speaks of it. Um, even in Christian teaching, they say Christ was in the tomb for three di- three days and three nights. You know, there's wow. that three day period that's um, <laughs> unable to be scientifically determined, but it's a spiritual understanding that each of us takes our t- our spirit takes its time leaving the body. It's so unfortunate at this point that um, those who are dying now um, are unable to be cared for that by, their, is by their family. Huge. It's yeah. so, so, so difficult. And I, I really look forward to that aspect of it being released. Um, we do have to... Um, care for these bodies that that do have COVID in them in specific ways in order to stop it from spreading. But the there are so many things that the family can do in um, to connect with their loved one that's dying. Um, of course, beyond the technology of it, there are some very um, physical, tangible things that folks are doing. There's um, the decoration of the uh, uh, cardboard casket that mm. the body would be cremated in. You can write your messages on there. You can bring um, love letters to be, you know, in other uh, family heirlooms or, you know, meaningful um, things that you can put with the body when wow. it's cremated. So those are all things that um, that we're using now to help folks that are going you know, connect. Yeah. Well, and there was a conversation, um, um, I'm going to, in our call last week, we were, we were discussing Mm. this in a, um, in a school setting. And one of the questions that came up that I thought I knew the answer to, um, I discovered I was, I had not thought about this enough yet. (laughs) And that is the idea of being terrified of someone you love dying alone. Um, Uh and Yes. And it is, it is really hard, but I realized there were two separate pieces of this. There's the person who is, who knows they're dying in the process of dying. And then there's the loved ones. And mm-hmm. that just as a first step, not everyone really wants to die with a whole group of people around their bed. And I guess I just always had idealized that idea that that's how you're supposed to die. If you can really die the perfect way. And you actually pushed back on that on the call and gave the best story. I just kind of wanted to you know, you were, I feel like there were you and a couple other people as well, but I just thought what you said was so unique and beautiful. It helped me understand that. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. That January, one of my clients, mm-hmm. um, she insisted that she be alone. She knew that any, and, and the Buddhists actually teach this as well. They don't touch the body of their loved one. They can be standing around the room, chanting, holding incense, but if any physical contact with the body would cause the spirit to stay. Because mm. they sense that connection here to the physical and mm. they go toward it. So in other words, their spirits would choose to stay in the body rather than to be allowed to go. Mm-hmm. And that, that would um, even be a choice that you would want to make ahead of time. And I and I had a conversation with my husband and said, you know, I'm, a, I'm very introverted. I'm very, I feel like I would be the kind of person who doesn't necessarily want a, a lot of people there. Yeah. You know, and I'd want to have some time really just with myself to process 
going through that if I had the opportunity for that, obviously. But yeah, yeah. But also leave leave the door open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Death's door. We have to leave it open for the fact <laughs> that um you might change your mind. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Might change your mind. And you might do so because you have a great grandchild that's there that wants oh. to kiss you or you know oh. and and please may that be allowed yeah again yeah my yeah. husband like I was thinking about that too I'm like I feel like he's the one person in the world I can be alone in a room with uh-huh. and still have that introverted me just be you know so I'm like I yeah even though I feel like that's what I would want I know that he's the kind of person who could give that to me even if he was sitting right next to me right yeah but I'd never well, I'd, thought of that before. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you said about th- thinking you knew mm-hmm. and then realizing you didn't. That's yeah. the perfect place to be. Yeah. With all of this is yeah. a place of unknowing. Mm-hmm. It's when we can let go of all the things we insist are true. Mm-hmm. That that true experience and growth and, and learning and our even our realization of love can really mm-hmm. come in when we set all that down and just say, you know. I really don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. And it's, and I wanted to say I was wrong, but I stopped myself because I wasn't wrong. I hadn't ever thought about it. Right. I was just, you know, I think we all thought about it again. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a journey here for all of us, not only to deal with the death that's happening in our communities and even in our families, but Mm -hmm. to think about ourselves. And the reason why I wanted this on playgrounding was because I think that life gets a lot more interesting when you think of it as every day I'm alive. Yeah. I'm alive Yeah, on this planet. What does that mean? It just, it brought this whole new, yeah. I don't know. What would you say to someone who's feeling a lot of fear right now and a lot of, and, and, and sort of feels these conversations bubbling up and maybe these thoughts bubbling up that you just don't want to have and you're pushing them down. What would you say to someone who maybe Probably they would have turned the episode off by now, but <laughs> um, but what would you Hopefully say to people not. experiencing a lot of, of fear and kind of that latent fear that you don't even have a name for it yet um, right yeah. now while this death is happening? I think that's one of the one of the big pluses of a uh, podcast like this is you can listen <laughs> for a little bit and stop yeah. it. Exactly. And come back to it. When Absolutely. You can. So that's the same way that, as a as a minister and as a death midwife, that I would be um, guiding mm. the one that was in my care. I mm-hmm. would say, "Well, let's look at it as much as we can. Let's hold that fear. The fear isn't wrong. Mm-hmm. The fear is opening the way, and we need to look at what it is and honor it because mm-hmm. it's there to teach." It's there to make us who we are, and it's there to guide us forward. It's there as a light for us. Um, And sometimes our fears are not our own. We pick them up from other people. We pick them up from experiences that we had as children. They could be coming back around for us, for our benefit. Mm -hmm. And um, I never want to discourage anyone from feeling afraid, but feeling is the important part of it. You know, let's just hold that. Let's feel like, help me to understand your fear. Mm -hmm. And then let's explore it. Let's fillet it. Let's pull it apart like an onion and just peel a little piece of it off and see, you know, it changes, you know, how we can look at the rest of it at another time. 
You know, so we don't have to dive into it and just really resolve it in a day. Like, yeah. No. And it's not good to keep shoving it back down in, like (laughs) you say, you know, it's best to open it, you know, to be, to have the, um, the safe, the brave space. You know, we talk about safe space, but there's a lot of things that need to be talked about right now where we do not feel safe at all. I love your, the brave space. That's beautiful. But we can be brave. Yeah. We can sit in. Uh, space is very unsafe for us, but when we're when we're brave, and when we feel that we're with someone we can really um, trust, then we can um, look at stuff in new ways and wow. change the way we think. That's that's the biggest bravest thing we can do is say, you know what, I need I need to think differently about this. Mm-hmm. And when you do, it changes how you walk. Mm-hmm. It changes your life. And yeah. that's what grief does as well. It, it isn't something we go through. It's something that changes us and it changes the way we walk through our days. Absolutely. Yeah? I'm never, I'll never be done with the grief that I've felt over the loss of people mm-hmm. in my life. Um, so I honor them by grieving for them as yeah. I go. Yeah. And there's little reminders you know, anniversaries come along. In fact, the day that we everything shut down was the eighth anniversary of um, the loss of my husband Robert. Oh, so I'm like, wow, your your anniversary had a lot of impact on the world this this time around. So yeah, yeah. oh my goodness, I know, I know. Wow. So I keep hearing that date over and over I again know. in the news. <laughs> I'm like, March twelfth, March twelfth, March. And I was like, yeah. Ah. So if I wasn't, you know, if I was cramming that down, imagine adding that to the grief that we were going through as a, as a people, as a planet. Yeah. And you know, Kara, that's one of the biggest things. It's one of the greatest gifts of this pandemic is how it united the whole world and it was fair with Mm -hmm. everyone. Yep. But um, we tend to be losing that. And we're even losing that as a nation because the the governments are giving all the power back to the states. And then then even in California, where we live, Mm -hmm. um, they're giving it to the counties. So our governor is giving the power away. So we're getting more into our silos again. You know, instead of making decisions that are really good for for the whole planet, Mm -hmm. you know, we are one and we are so connected. And it does make sense to have stricter um, separation regulations when the population is so dense like it is here in L.A. Oh, man. Yeah. But um, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, let's not lose this. (laughs) (laughs) I was loving all that. I'm like, yes, the whole earth. Well, it's like when I, you know, coming out of 9-11, I remember thinking, you know, Mm. there are only certain people. If I knew someone who lived in New York at the time, then I could talk about it. But the whole world is experiencing this in their own ways. The where are, where were you questions and how did your community deal with it questions. Mm -hmm. These are things we're going to be talking about with each other for, for the rest of our lives. I know. You know, and Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard because I want to be excited about things like the environment and things like that, but it's like the cost is so high and and it's we're all just so conflicted about where we can have joy in our lives right now. Are mm-hmm. we allowed to have joy? Is it somehow um a negative thing um to experience any joy out of out of something this horrendous? Um 
But really, I think that just acknowledging that this is not something taboo. This is a natural process that all of us are going to go through, whether we think about it or not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no matter how we deal with it um, or don't deal with it, um, it's going to happen. And so Mm -hmm. to look it in the face and to really just sort of acknowledge yeah, it, it, who we are is, now. It changes is, yeah. who we are because yeah. we've gone through it. And the things that are happening that are um, shameful, that are making us angry, yeah. the things that are being, you know, just nothing short of selfish behavior are also changing us. So yeah. it's like these kinds of decisions about the ways we want to live used to be allowed. And mm-hmm. we would just say, oh, they're just you know, either this, this kind of uh, a politic, political belief, or this kind of, you know, oh, they live, you know, in this county, or, you know, they're from this kind, this race, Yeah. you know, but now those behaviors that are actually either racist, selfish, um, just, just not compassionate in any way are becoming, they're brought to the surface and they're shown as, look at how awful this is. We can't treat each other this way anymore. And people are making better decisions about who they are and who they want to be as we go forward. I'm just looking like I have this new grandson. He's just nine months old. And I just look at him on zoom, of course, (laughs) not a person. Um, But I, I just think, wow, what a world he's going to live in. You know, what is it going to be like? What will it be like? So it's okay to believe right now that things are changing for the better because of this tragedy. It sure is. Not only is it okay, but it's good. Okay. Because we have to, and and it's the same with anything. We are people who find meaning. Mm. And it's not meaning that's thrown out by a God who only disperses it in teeny little yeah. droppings, right? Yeah. We make our own meaning Oof. and God benefits from the meaning that we make. So we all do. We all do. And we're expected to do that. We are meaning making people. So let's be making some meaning that's, you know, really beneficial Absolutely. For those for those that are unable to, you know, mm-hmm. or those that had an experience in their youth that they're they're not able to think positively about anything. Yeah. You know, or even those that are in prison right now and they're Ugh. unable to socially separate, you know, and they're really at risk mm-hmm. for catching this virus, you know, we can hold um the potential and meaning for them. And that I think that's our job. Wow. That's our job here. That's our calling. And speaking of that, it has been your job and your calling long before the coronavirus started. I know you have spent a lot of time holding things called death cafes and um, you have your website Mm openingdeathsdoor.com. But do you think you might be bringing back some death cafes over Zoom at some point? Or? Yeah, I know a friend of mine um, is having one. Uh, Betsy Trapasso is her name. She okay. runs Death Cafe Los Angeles, and she's had some very 
very beneficial, wonderful death cafes um, online that are really very helpful. Um, my situation now is that I have three different jobs, three I different know. careers. I'm taking care of a congregation <laughs> and I'm on the faculty of an online seminary that yes. you're familiar with. I am. And also the death um, mid- midwifery work. So um, trying and and my husband in my home. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just not finding... Um, time to do that right now, but I do hope, I do hope to um, let things settle back down and smooth out a bit so that I can do those again. Great. Yeah. And I will maybe if you have like a, if you want to make a reference, we can put a link to someone else who's doing it regularly just so they okay. can experience it. Um, that'd be really cool too. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, yeah. Death Cafe Los Angeles. Her name is Betsy Trapasso. She usually has a couple seats open at her death okay. cafes. So I would, um, I'll send you the link. Is it just for people who are going through a death um, situation in their family or themselves, or is it for anyone? Anyone. Anyone. We're all walking with death, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And and Death Cafe gives us a space where we can talk about that. Great. And, and learn from others, the experience of others. There's no reason why we need to go through it ourselves before mm-hmm. we can um, learn. We can Great. learn from others. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. This has been Reverend Maggie. (laughs) Um, I am so incredibly lucky to have you as one of my teachers, one of my mentors through the school. And I feel likewise. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for um, this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Blessings. (laughs) Blessings. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and maybe learned a few things about yourself and how you think about death. Next week, we'll lighten it up a bit with a conversation with a hardcore gamer. Board gamer, that is. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us get the word out about Playgrounding. Have a great week.